This is Homestead Gardening, a modern approach with your hosts, Kristen and Spencer, where we garden alongside Mother Nature, sprinkle in a touch of modern science, and put up the abundance. Kristen's Trial Garden is located in Houston, Texas. In addition to general horticulture knowledge, Kristen's decade of experience growing in the Gulf Coast will provide additional insight into navigating this climate. Spencer is growing her family's produce in California's Central Valley. She uses her one-acre urban homestead to help others bless their tables with homegrown, homemade food. We both work hard in our daily lives, just like you do, and this means we have little time to tend to our gardens. So how do we create a homestead garden that provides for our families without breaking our backs or the bank? Find out in this podcast as we share our modern approach to homestead gardening. Kristen and I are back talking about garden techniques you may or may not have heard of. We're chatting about gardening by the moon, grounding in the garden, and more. Listen in for our opinions and to find out which of these highly debated topics we're applying in our own gardens. In today's fast-paced modern society, are we connecting enough with nature? When we have the chance to interact with nature, are we connecting in a way that benefits our health the most? Lifestyles that used to be normal for many of our ancestors are not the lifestyles we live today. Most of us don't want to be farmers or live in the country, so much of our population lives in major cities, and there are financial and social advantages to this type of living. Maybe you're like me and you do want to live in the country or live a slower-paced, more intentional life like your ancestors did. Truth is, your ancestors applied gardening concepts that have been deemed crazy by today's standards. Modern convenience, NPK fertilizers for home use, and commercial agriculture have taken us farther and farther away from how home gardens used to be grown. We believe in gardening alongside nature. Maybe you do too, or you're looking for a better way. In your quest for a prescribed reconnection with nature, you may have run into some new concepts that seem a little out there. And that's what we're here to talk about today. We'll explore ideas like grounding, gardening by phases of the moon, and more to offer you a little background, a little scientific evidence, if we found any, our opinions, of course, and ideas on how to integrate these concepts into your own life, whether you garden or not. So Spencer, you brought the topic of biodynamics to me when we were planning for this episode, and I realized that the lunar gardening falls under this heading, which is something I have a teeny bit experience trying, but I don't understand the full breadth, I guess, of biodynamics. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So let me start off by saying I'm equal parts intrigued and annoyed by applying biodynamics in my own garden. Well, I'm hooked. I got to know. I got to yeah. know more. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is it? If you've never heard the term biodynamics, it's essentially a method of planting using the lunar cycle and constellations. And like anything, there's different segments, different people do it one way than another. Um, you may have seen like in the farmer's almanac, uh, the lunar gardening, like Kristen mentioned, that would be an offshoot of biodynamics, which I will say true people that are hardcore biodynamics will say that the farmer's almanac is total BS. So keep that in mind. <laughs> but biodynamics acknowledges all these phases of the moon, other cosmic forces, and works with them. Just like we talk about all the time about working with nature instead of against it, it just takes the lunar cycles into account. So each month, the moon moves through cycles, which most of us recognize the waxing and the waning of the moon because we can see the different crescent shape, full moon, 
back, you know, we can observe that with our physical eyes. But this takes into account way more than that. So true biodynamics takes into account the 12 zodiac constellations associated with the elements like earth, air, water, and light. And then three constellations are connected to each element, giving us certain days of the month where it is considered best to plant or do certain garden chores. So that would be uh, the earth sign translates to root days, which would have been like your potatoes, your carrots, when you want to plant those things. Water circulates to leaf days, which would be like the lettuces, the brassicas, where you're actually physically eating the leaf. Air circulates to flowers. And the fire sign circulates to all of your fruiting vegetables. So all of your tomatoes, squash, anything that produces a fruit, most of your summer veg. So I know that's a lot to take in, especially if you try to go to a website, which we have linked in the show notes, you'll notice that each one of these calendars has a little tweak to it. So you might find you're either utterly confused <laughs> or annoyed, or annoyed like I am when today's a root day, but I need to go plant tomatoes. And now I feel like my tomato crop is doomed if I plant on the wrong day. That's, that's where I am. You know, I, I had, I had lots of questions about this. Okay. So I, I had some sort of not farmer's almanac, but something like it. And I, it was old. It was from the 1960s and I bought it from some sort of estate garage sale it looked like a piece of trash, honestly. And I got it for like a dollar, but I bought it because it was my mother's birth year. And I thought, oh, that'd be so fun. Like I like gardening. That's her birth year. Like I want to see what happened with the farmer's almanac. And then it wasn't, it had like a lot of this biodynamic stuff in it back in the sixties. And like this thing had been around forever, but it had like all these signs. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> anyway, zodiac signs. Anyways, yeah. I think I actually must have sold it or something or it's buried somewhere. But anyways, my point is this topic has, is so confusing to me and it just brought up more questions than answers. Um, and I don't know if you'll have answers for me, but I did Probably have not. a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I did have a lot of thoughts. So just like you, like with the lunar guarding that I did try, my biggest problem was that I wanted to plant a certain type of seed on day X and it told me I had to do it day Y and I go well, day Y I'm really busy working right, and totally day Y doesn't come up again for another week or so. And I'm busy that day too. So either I will not totally. get this crop in at all, or do I need to stop, you know, come out at midnight and plant and, and when does the day start? Like <laughs> if I night plant, yeah. and they do start at different times. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so I got, I got really confused. I got really frustrated. And at the end of the day, I did have a lot of successful gardening, but I just stopped paying attention because I was feeling the same way. I was thinking, well, I guess there's no point in putting this in the ground or if I do, it'll just fail. Um, and now, right. I, now I'm, I'm wondering like, what's really happening? Am I superstitious here? And, and, you know, tempting fate. <laughs> I do think, I do think that's part of it. So I heard about this because there's a few big name Instagram accounts that like swear by it. And I oh. feel like it's, it's a generational thing to me, at least from what I can observe. Like if you grew up like this and you learned it from your grandparent, it's an emotional pull that I, cause I, this is going to sound totally crazy, but I think that like 
your mindset on your garden and receiving abundance translates to your garden. So I could see like, if you just grew up with that and this is the science behind it for you, that is creating that connection of good vibes or whatever you want to call it towards your garden. I totally see it. Absolutely. I the, num- I, the number of people that I hear that are like, oh, I couldn't grow a plant. Mm-hmm. I kill everything. Well, then you're probably going to keep killing things because you don't believe in yourself. It could be that simple. Right. No, I think it is. Um, <laughs> it, there's a total, actually, when we were researching this episode today, I stumbled on an entire podcast about how plants have thoughts and feelings. We won't go down that rabbit hole we today. We will not be but... going down that rabbit today. <laughs> <laughs> my I, but my I, husband would think that's ridiculous, but at the same time, he thinks that I make my plants sad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. Okay. There you go. We'll have to yeah. talk about that in a future yeah. moment. <laughs> we'll have to get your husband to weigh up on this. Okay. Oh, so geez. let's talk about, does this actually work? I don't know, but I'm trialing it right now because I have to know. You know, I, I, I'm still troubled by, I like to plant at night. My husband, my, I told him we were doing this episode and, and originally we had this, uh, uh, titled temporarily as the woo woo gardening episode. And so I was telling him, I was like, he's like, what's woo woo. And I was like, woo, (laughs) (laughs) hand fingers and the whole thing. And like the voice. And and I said, well, here's kind of what Spencer's come up with, um, for tomorrow's episode. Like, what do you think about this? And he was like, that's dumb. And I was like, okay, can you expand upon (laughs) that please? And he was like, well, first of all, um, if gravitational pull, this is about gravitational pull, you know, of the moon and everything, he goes capillary action inside the plant is going to be stronger than gravitational pull. And I had to look that up and I was like, oh, that's true. He's like, so I think that's ridiculous. So, so right up the way, like the engineer brain in him is like proven wrong <laughs> in a story, but you know, whether, whether, um, the gravitational pull of the moon is affecting this planting schedule and blah, blah, blah the superstitious person in me that will come out if I let it um, would be too afraid to plant with this calendar because I'm all about how I feel when I plant. If I'm having a great Mm -hmm. day, I'm going out in the garden or if I'm having a bad day, I'm going out in the garden, but it might be doing two different activities. And so my life decides what my garden looks like at the end of the season. I might start with a garden plan and then I throw it out the window and I go and have some fun. And so I think that this style might be really great for um, a larger productive farm that's still a family farm. Um, It might help. Even our ancestors might've used these calendars just to stay on schedule, um, to have a plan, to make sure that they weren't forgetting something. Um, Maybe it helped them with succession planting. I'm sure there was mm-hmm. a reason, but I'm also sure that at some point Big Ag stepped in and we all stopped looking at the why for some of these things that are now coming up and becoming popular. Yeah, totally. That's that's, that's all I have to say about that. I mean, I, I think it could be, I think it could work um, as well as well as it couldn't work, depending on who you are. If, if you are listening to this and you have tried this, please send us a DM on Instagram because I want to know I'm trialing it right now. I just did some sign. I planted some fruiting vegetables in the signs and I had already planted some fruiting vegetables that look like trash. And I don't know if it's because (laughs) they were not done at the proper time. So I am trialing it and I would love to know what your experience has been. 
yeah. And I'm not going to look at the calendar because I've already planted so many things and I'm going to now be eyeballing them going, well, I know you're going to die. So I'll just stop watering you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, keep, I know that's keep your I'll good do. vibe going. Yeah. Good, yeah. <laughs> so our next topic is grounding. And if you've heard of this, maybe you've heard it called earthing. Um, grounding is not this, this grounding that we're talking about today is not the same as if you, I think there's grounding techniques for just calming down or reducing stress. This grounding, like walking barefoot on the grass. Yeah. Well, yeah. This example is about connecting with nature, um, not just taking deep breaths or relaxing or whatever. Um, have you heard about this before we did this episode research? No. Yeah. Definitely I actually have. I mean, I, I've heard of. Yeah. I, I have heard, heard about the, it. The walking this, barefoot thing. Yeah. And this was my, this is my, oh, I'm intrigued. I'm curious. Um, so how much do you know about this from, from your Nothing. research? Just, tell me. Yeah. So <laughs> tell me <laughs> if you guys haven't heard about grounding or earthing, the concept is that, um, we're all, we're on a magnetic planet. Um, we all have electrons, uh, and we can transfer those. The earth can transfer that to us through contact. So, uh, if the electrons from the earth are absorbed through your skin, the theory is you can have organ support, you can have mental health support, all these good things can happen to you. Um, now I'm going to start right off by saying there are some studies to try to prove this, and I have not read them. <laughs> But it seemed like from what I did read that a lot of studies are suggesting that this could be true, but I have a different theory. Now we'll talk about that later at the end. What I do want to say is that there is a lot of information online about this. There's a movie that's going to kind of explain to you if you're not a reader, um, there's a little movie on YouTube, the grounding movie that can maybe give you some ideas. Um, there are products that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, that if you are curious, I would recommend waiting to buy products and think more about some natural approaches to grounding. Um, but the suggestion is that grounding could help you with um, your healing response, uh, your metabolism, glycemic control, which of course gets me really excited because I always want to help with glycemic control for me. Um, inflammation, which a lot of people are riddled with your immune system, um, support pain reduction, usually inflammation, pain reduction, you know, all that stuff goes hand in hand, um, sleeping. So it may be something to look into that maybe connection with nature is positive. I'm pretty sure anybody could agree that it's positive, <laughs> but right. now the question is, is grounding are the grounding techniques that we're going to talk about? Are they, um, can't, how, do they help? What do they do? So let's think about this. Grounding is all about connecting with the earth to get an electrical current, to get those electrons. So grounding is going to involve some sort of electricity. So there's all these products on the market. If you can't walk barefoot on the earth, I don't know why you couldn't, but maybe you're allergic to grass or um, you live in the city and there's non-conductive material on the ground. I don't know. The theory is that you can use these products to um, connect with the earth and get those electrons. So all of the products do not necessarily have you outdoors. 
which is where I first take an issue. But natural grounding, you can simply go lay in the grass, walk in the grass. You, can, I think you can walk on concrete, but not asphalt. Um, I think you can wear socks, but I, but, um, I think, I'm not 100% sure on that one. Um, I like to walk in the grass with socks <laughs> because I am allergic and we have stinging nettles. Um, so I do walk all the time. Like I take out the trash in socks. Like it's just, I'm... <laughs> Throw them in the wall. I'm like, whatever. Um, keep in mind, like I am a sweaty person. My socks actually have to be changed a lot and I can't not wear socks because I have a slip and fall issue. Like it's a hazard. So like my lifestyle choices are very particular for a different reason for my health. <laughs> so, so grounding for me is very, probably very challenging to actually do um, barefoot. But I used to do this all the time as a kid. I wasn't as allergic to things and I, we had a nice lawn without fire ants growing up. I used to walk barefoot all the time. I used to run around the neighborhood, uh, in a swimsuit barefoot. Um, you know, those were the good old days, throwing caution to the wind, uh, and, you know, dodging, uh, construction debris, you know, on the road and nails and stuff and never getting injured. Um, you know, nowadays, I don't know. I don't know that I'm willing to get hurt. So I don't take as many risks. Um, but I, I don't know how easy it is to introduce these uh, grounding techniques naturally into your life. How, does any of this sound like mildly intriguing to you, Spitzer? I don't know. I've seen, so some of the products that Kristen's talk about, I've seen the grounding sheets. I do not own them, but I have heard people say good things about them, but I don't know that I would be buying products specifically for this in my garden to better connect. Like I feel like mother earth and I got a good flow going already. I don't think I need something coming in to support with that. Well, I'm kind of wondering if you and I don't spend plenty of time in our garden already. Um, my boots though, they are rated to not conduct electricity. Um, they're, they're real work boots. So, I mean, I, I've eliminated grounding when I'm in the garden with those boots, but I still that sit on, but I sit on the ground. I put my palms back, you know, I do touch the ground to connect. I just keep my feet safe. Um, one of the, the, there's all these different weird little products, grounding mats, all different kinds of things. Um, there's a rod that you can stick outside and then connect yourself to while you sleep at night. That sounds insane. I don't, I would totally get, <laughs> I'm the type of person that if I did that, we'd have a nighttime storm and I'd get electrocuted, you know? Um, <laughs> but there's like cute little moccasins. Like I would totally be on board with a pair of simple handmade moccasins. I would wear that. No problem. If those are- I'm not doing it. Grounding shoes. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, <laughs> I'm a weirdo. I'm not, look, That's I'm not, not really, those. yeah. It's, I'm not surprised <laughs> that I, I'm not surprised. I don't think anybody else would be that I would wear those. Um, but here's what I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Um, Medical professionals, I don't know where everybody falls, but there are medical professionals that do believe in this. And my husband's osteopath, um, if you've ever heard of a DO, doctor of osteopathic medicine, it's a real doctor. <laughs> um, but what I'm about to say might not sound like that. His doctor totally believes in this. He wanted my husband to get, uh, my husband has a health issue that I won't talk about on here because he wasn't, doesn't let me, <laughs> and uh, which is fair. But his doctor was like, you should try grounding and it might help you. And this particular health issue, I would say, mm, I don't know about that, but he wanted him to buy special shoes so he could stay grounded when he walked around um, all the different ground. Like he was, he was totally into it. And my husband was like, nope, not happening. My, <laughs> my husband would be like, heck no. 
engineer brain is what he is. And he's just, nope. Um, however, my doctor is an, also an osteopath. And I think she's too cautious to outright recommend certain things like this to her patients. But anytime she's all about natural medicine and, and anything that I would ask her, or I have asked her, like, what do you think about this natural approach instead of doing this? And she's always on board. She's like, if it helps you tell me about it so that I can tell other people, but yeah, I want to know about it. And, um, and she, as soon as I walked into her office and I told her that I garden, she was like, oh, that's so good. Like, that's so great. Good because there's so many other benefits right. to gardening and to being outdoors. And so I would say for me grounding, like I'm, I'm still very interested and I will be paying attention to research and I'll be interested, but I will not be buying any products. I either will connect with nature naturally or not period. I totally agree. Period. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. That's where I'm at with yeah. that one. Yeah. But do I think that it works? So, yeah. I think connecting with nature works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that Krista kind of touched on is the grounding and how the earth has a magnetic field, right? Which I feel like that's basic science, depending how, how into that you are. I feel like we can all accept that. The next topic that we're going to talk about Full disclosure, I heard about this from my favorite Instagram conspiracy theorist because I had never heard about this before. I've never seen it in any like common garden culture or anything, but that's the use of copper garden tools. And the theory behind it is that copper is not magnetic, so it does not disrupt the electrical field in the soil. So copper is conductive and it assists in the flow of all the earth's energies. Is that too woo-woo? Is that too out there? <laughs> is your husband going to tell me I'm crazy? <laughs> yeah. I told my husband about, I was like, I was like, I wasn't sure about the copper gardening tool thing. Um, and this is what, and he was like, yeah, but again, back to the grounding, he was like, I don't want to get electrocuted. And, and so a lot of these copper tools have like wood on the end for, you know, something that maybe helps reduce. I have no idea. I would put rubber. I'd be like, no, stop, stop those, you know, electrons, which would conduct, yeah, it would yeah. stop the flow. Yeah. The but, grounding um, flow. But he, but he, he's thinking like, that sounds dangerous. And of course they're so pretty. I want to go like, I'm not, I'm not attracted they are to very many gorgeous and they're super expensive, but here I'm here. I am being like super like, Oh, it's so pretty, but it is. It's, they're so gorgeous and they look, they're gorgeous. I just want to always use tools. Here's the truth. I don't use yeah. garden tools. I stick my fingers straight into the ground and do my thing. And so I would lose these and it would just be a waste for me, but I kind of like them. I kind of like the copper gardening tool thing, even if they are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I have been cut off from buying things for the garden for the rest of the year. That's so I fair. will not be adding them, yeah. <laughs> but I do also have my eye on them. Okay. But so here's the deal. So let me see if I could sway your mind with the... Not necessarily this is, science. This is, this is where this let's is where I have a different theory in it. I'll, uh, but okay, yeah. Well, let's let's let you. I'll let you go, and okay. then I'll come <laughs> in, in a minute. Like, so here's here's the premise, like the history behind it, and why how it connects to ancestral gardening. So after World War II, garden tools were converted from to iron and steel. So essentially, before that point the tools that our ancestors were using were most likely copper um, or manual, like Kristen said, like the hands. So the, the issue, like 
I said, is that iron steel interrupt the soil magnetism leading to poor soil quantity, quality and weaker crops. So at the same time that all this was happening, like post-World War II, NPK fertilizers, which we just recorded an entire episode on for you on emitting soil and what NPK is, um, if you're interested, you can go back and listen to that. Those were coming onto the scene. So modern fertilizer goes all the way back to like Rockefeller's oil production. And after World War II, manufacturers had these huge inventories of leftover bomb production stuff. Kristen's smirking at me on video chat like this girl is crazy. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's 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 totally fine. It's totally fine. Um, I'm not laughing at you. I just like there's so much about history that none of us know because yes, that's my issue. I think yeah, that that it just it. It was never recorded. And now I'm laughing because now everybody records everything about themselves and we're still right. not going to know anything hundred years from now. We're going to be like, what was wrong with yeah. these people? We won't learn anything exactly. Yeah. So, so with all of the leftover manufacturing stuff from these bombs that they were making from the war, there was like nitrogen, nitrates, all that stuff was put back into the food chain for profit is fertilizer. And they were also left with sulfuric acid from the oil. And all of this was combined into what we now know as NPK fertilizers. Modern fertilizer is so common, like we just saw in the last couple of years, shortages of NPK fertilizer as a resort, result of an oil shortage due to current events. So we know that this is all connected. That I don't feel like is arguable. I find it very interesting how this all came about. Um, because like Kristen said, like, I wasn't taught this in school. Like it makes total sense. Right. Like, but that wasn't the version that I was fed to learn, I guess is what, why I'm like, okay, there's merit to this. There may be merit to this, but anyway, so these chemical fertilizers were developed and I don't know. I just feel like they're, they created the problem. So these iron and steel tools disrupt the soil function and how it would naturally be magnetized in work. And now they're selling the solution. And I feel like anytime that comes into play, it is so easy for me to accept as being true and real because it's like, oh, okay, you just created the problem and now you're selling the solution. Oh, and that happens all the time. Um, uh, right. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, I, I'm really big into gut health, but it took me forever to wrap my head around all that stuff. I don't, uh, I take kefir instead of, uh, probiotics, but overuse of, um, shoot, uh, like birth controls and, um, medicines and eating a bunch of sugar and junk food, everything. And, oh my God. Corn syrups and everything is ruining people's gut health. And now we have all these probiotics, prebiotics, and postbiotics coming on the market for us to spend oodles of money on because we're not eating healthy and we're not taking care of ourselves and we're taking too many medicines. It, and we have yeah. low soil nutrients discourse from the magnetic garden tools. <laughs> it, so, yeah. So I think there's so many things, so many connections you can make that, um, idea of, you know, we created a problem now we're creating a solution. Um, and we're in this horrible cycle. And so it's very possible that these copper gardening tools are absolutely fantastic and a good idea for people to go back to. And, um, but I, I want to go back to your, the NPK fertilizer and the manufacturing kind of like where all this came from. So I did a little research, um, cause that was more interesting to me than the copper gardening tools. 
<laughs> like, like where do things come? Like, I like the history yeah. of business and commerce and all that stuff too. And um, there are a lot of, the narrative gets rewritten. Like eventually a company is going to have their own narrative about how great they are. They're never going to talk about. Exactly. You know how everybody loves a good origin story in the movies and stuff yeah. like that. Like you just, you crave it. You always want to know how did this person, how did this entity become what it is now? Where did it come from? You want to root for an underdog or whatever, or hate the bad guy. Well, so in my research, I was looking at um, when were these chemical fertilizers developed? And so throughout history, way before World War II, um, maybe 1840s, as early as that, uh, I'm not 100% sure, different chemists are out there making a name for themselves, um, inventing things that maybe aren't put into production for 100 years um, commercially, but they're inventing things for the sake of being chemists. And so that's where all these uh, synthetic fertilizers originated from is chemists being intelligent and experimenting and creating, um, whether they make a name for them for themselves or not had to be determined. I mean, eventually all these people did, obviously they, they, they're in history. We know them, but that's what all of us do when we're creating, we don't know where it's going to take us or what we're going to make, um, or what's going to, when, when lightning's going to strike. So all these things begin to get produced by chemists over time over almost a hundred years. And then we hit World War II and coming out of World War II, um, we already have all of these chemical processes known and tested and, and um, perfected. And now we have um, better seeds available at that time that can take in more nitrogen and more fertilizer and produce a higher yield. We have um, more demand for like rice crops and grains and different things like that. And lightning struck at this time. Um, I don't know if lightning would have would have struck if we had the war or not, or if it would have been a little later and we needed that war and all of these different things. But at the end of the day, all these things came about around the same time and somebody figured out how to monetize it. Had to, right. had to, and this is like, this is where big ag was able to start developing because without all these different things, like fertilizers, great, whatever. Somebody had to take all those chemical processes um, in the first place and know how to, how to use them as fertilizers and then decide to produce fertilizers. And it took a lot. I mean, the research that I looked at was talking about, you know, these producers owned like 40 different companies. Like they started like this happened way before the war where they were like buying up, buying up, buying up, dealing with competition, dealing with other outside factors, global factors before the war. Um, Cause everything really does happen globally. We just don't see it maybe right. ever. And then all these other um, advantageous things had to happen, better seeds demand. And it blew up. And now we have not literally blew up, but, you know, then it, it just became what we know of it today as big ag. But without all those opportunities happening at the same time, I think eventually this would have happened anyways, but I don't think it would have happened necessarily at that timing. Mm -hmm. If, if, if we didn't have the per perfect storm of all of these different factors. So anyways, like, I know it had nothing to do with the copper tools. I just found that like the origin story was so much more intriguing and I know I don't have the full picture and I never will. Um, right. 
but it's so interesting. Like anyways, if we're going down a conspiracy theory path here a little bit, I want to, I want to venture a little further and get stuck. Right. No, I think it, I agree. So I don't, I definitely found this interesting as what it transpired to, because if you go down the copper garden to a rabbit hole, it leads you to things like that. We're not going to go down today because we could, <laughs> like a, a, um, electroculture and all these different like things that I had never heard of. And I think it's really interesting that they, they used to be really prevalent and now that they're not. So it's like, okay, I'm asking myself why, what happened? What effects did it have? I just think it's the tip of the iceberg. And I would love to understand like that, how our ancestors, because our ancestors didn't have a choice to go to a grocery store. Like they were either grow their own food or you don't eat, which is like hats off to you because we all have less skin in the game. So I don't know. I just find it really interesting as far as, like I said, the tip of the iceberg, what else, what else are we missing? Yeah. And, and, and that comment, you know, they had to grow food or, or else, you know, they didn't get to eat. Um, I've been thinking about that so much because I, I've been so disappointed in my ancestors, um, for never teaching me how to garden because a few generations ago they had to have that garden. And my grandmother grew up knowing how to grow things because she had to, but then again, timing's everything around the 1960s. She didn't have to do that anymore. Um, I'm sure this is, you know, the, the, the canned food and, you know, all these different things start start coming together and this all affects our culture. And now we're coming back to it. And it's taken me 10 years to really perfect something that I should have been taught, you know? Yeah. And that my grandmother and my mother have no interest in, you know, no interest um, in in living that hard, you know? Um, So I want to talk about, um, I'm not going to talk about big pharma, but this is going to relate a little bit to big pharma. I'm going to talk about soil microbes and the theory that soil bacteria, good bacteria can help with depression. Um, and once more, I want to start off saying, which that is true. That is proven. This is true. This is proven. Um, but you know how gardeners are like, Oh, you know, I want to go to my happy place. I want to go to the garden. Um, well, dirt therapy. Yeah. (laughs) Guess what? Digging in healthy soil, not in dirt in healthy soil with all these microbes that's teeming with the good bacteria. You're actually getting a dose of happy. Uh, you're literally increasing your serotonin production by introducing these microbes into your, the cuts in your skin, um, through, through your nostrils, when you breathe in the air, um, please don't eat dirt, but like you could I totally let my kids eat dirt. <laughs> yeah. No, I wish I can just see people being like, fine, I'll just eat a big spoonful. We'll calm down there. Uh, <laughs> let's, but you can breathe in these microbes. You don't have to, uh, do anything else. Um, and it's so interesting that before all of us, I, sorry, not all of us, I, but I know a lot of people who have to take antidepressants or have so many low moments in life. Um, it's really no surprise, especially like when COVID happened, the shutdown, a lot of people got really depressed mm-hmm. really quickly. It's really not surprising that a lot of people turned to gardening because they couldn't leave their homes in the first place. It's mm-hmm. not surprising that a lot of people got a pick me up once they did that yep. and they got through the hard times. Um, and 
me personally, I've told stories on this podcast in the past, how I couldn't garden. I couldn't have a full garden, but I could pull weeds. And I went and got myself a little dose of happy pulling weeds um, and exercising and all of that stuff. And I really helped myself out in a time when I was really bummed. You know, I had a physical injury that really brought me down um, emotionally and that really helped. Anyways, I love that it's scientifically proven. I love that. Yeah. Um, I love that gardeners are naturally able to improve their lives on so many levels. Yeah. I think it's, it's no coincidence too, that like suicide rates and things like that, like we just said, people used to have to grow their own food. So gardening was something mandatory that almost everyone would be involved in some way or another. How suicide rates have, you know, on gone on an upward trajectory as why our involvement with nature is going the opposite. I don't know. It's like we said, we know it's proven. I don't think you can argue this one. I just think it's really cool. It, it is so cool. And so I want to connect it, um, the grounding segment with this. Just the idea of, you know, I, I don't, I, until I tried the bionic gloves the other day um, that Spencer recommended, I always gardened just hands in the soil. Um, and so between the soil mo- microbes and potentially accidentally grounding myself all the time uh, in my garden, I mean, I have felt so much better. Um, I've been able to do more physically. Um, soil microbes and gut microbes, like the theories are very connected for how they benefit humans. Um, fixing my gut health has also helped my brain chemistry, and that's also scientifically proven. Um, so microbes are good things and they sound so gross and so nasty. And, you know, the pictures online look nasty too, but if you, you know, I'm not saying this is going to cure everybody's depression, but if you need a little pick me up, if something, if you had a crappy day, cause your boss yelled at you or whatever, half the reason why I take my breaks in the garden are because I know it can give me that little boost that I need to go back to work later that day. Um, I highly recommend anybody if, you know, if you, your kid yelled at you when they got home, cause you know, I don't know, kids do the dumbest things like yell at their parents because they didn't wash their gym shorts. Um, go out in the garden. Don't, don't even acknowledge that. Go out in the garden, dig yourself a little happy and get back to your life when you're ready. That's my recommendation. Now that we've given you an insight into a few of the techniques your ancestors used, are you intrigued enough to try something new in your own garden? Or do you think we've gone a little too far? Either way, we're still here to challenge your thinking and growing capabilities with a modern approach to your homestead garden. Please reach out to us on Instagram. Let us know if you've tried any of these techniques. I would love to know your thoughts. I would love to know how you've perfected some of these techniques, if they've worked for you. I want to hear your story. Let me know. I want to know if you think we're crazy <laughs> or if you think I'm crazy. Oh, I am already, I already know I'm crazy. I feel like, I feel like <laughs> admitting it's half the battle. There you go. That's it. <laughs> Y'all have a beautiful week. <laughs>